The Paranet Podcast, a Dresden Files book club. Welcome to The Paranet Podcast with your hosts, me, Patrick Lunn, and me, Rob Davis. We have a brilliant episode for you guys today. We're going to be talking about Summer Night as we get into the first appearances of Mother Winter and Mother Summer. Some of the, uh, I guess, most fan-speculated characters in the series. Um, So definitely going to be interesting to talk about. Um, But before that, we have our para-networking section. Uh, Para-networking, as I'm sure you guys all know by this point, is where we talk about what's going on in the world of Dresden Files at the moment. And the truth is, at the moment, there isn't that much going on in the world of Dresden Files uh, due to the global pandemic and such. Um, Jim is beavering away on the next instalment as well as uh, more on his cinder spires series um so what we're doing uh, instead is talking about some of the biggest questions in the dresden fan base at the moment and uh for us one of the biggest questions is who should play harry dresden uh, this is in a TV series, in a film. Um, who would we want to play Harry Dresden? Obviously, there was the the original TV series some time ago, um, which was fine, but obviously got cancelled. And um, I think fell into the trap that a lot of sci-fi series did uh, kind of mid-2000s of kind of playing into more like a police procedural um also special effects weren't quite where they needed to be and there was there were lots of uh things that kind of held those sort of series back at the time now we're in kind of the golden age of tv fantastic time for dresden files um but also uh there might be an opportunity for for a film franchise of course uh so yeah we wanted to talk about who we would like to play Harry Dresden. I'm going to throw this over to you, Rob. Uh, who would you like to play Harry Dresden? Awesome. Well, I thought long and hard about this, and I had no answers. But um, I'm mean, kind of following off... Right, an episode. The, uh... <laughs> the, the reason for that is we kind of touched upon it at the end of the last episode, and Timothy Oliphant came up, so all I could think about was Timothy Oliphant. And aside from like a non-serious answer, like Jack Black, who I believe should play everyone in the Dresden Files, um, and because he would do a spectacular job, just saying. <laughs> um, I think it would just turn into like Tenacious D, but with a a slightly more like noir twist. Yeah, I mean, I'd give it a go. So, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. But no, I think my more serious suggestion and. It's a, it's an odd one because he's not an actor at all, um, but I've gone with John Mayer, and my reasoning behind that is he's a bit weird looking. What? Yeah, I I don't. I... Know. I'm sure I had more of a reason when I came up with it, but I think I was running with based on interviews. He's got like a good sense of humor, like he's got that kind of like snarky thing about him. 
and he looks a bit weird, and that's the best I got. I mean, I guess going from that, what's the guy called? Um, he voices Peter B. Parker in the Spider-Man, Spider-Verse film. Uh, Jake Johnson. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he looks like John Mayer a bit, so I'd also go with him. We're just going to get people that look a bit like John Mayer. <laughs> yeah, yeah pr- pretty much. But, um, yeah, I mean, again, like, I, I don't care about the height in the slightest. So it doesn't bother me if he's like too short or too tall or neither. Um, I'm just kind of going based on like the films I've seen him in or like TV shows I've seen him in. He's got that. He's got. He's just got that level of sarcasm that I kind of makes me think of Harry Dresden. Yeah, I'm only really familiar from uh, with him from New Girl. Yes, um... I mean same. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't want to admit that I've watched New Girl over and over again since 2012. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's, it's a damn good series. I, there's no shame in it. Um, but he apparently was in The Mummy, which I didn't watch, like the new one with Tom Cruise. Oh, man, I um, watched it. And you know how it just got slated for like everything? Like, yeah. I didn't think it was that bad. I mean, it wasn't great, and I would never watch it again, but it wasn't that bad. I think I just lowered... <laughs> I think I just lowered my expectations so much and was just like, well, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. But yeah, I could see Jake Johnson uh, as kind of like, yeah, sassy wizard man. Yeah, and um, another one is that I have. Um, and I still have. This is one that came up back in 2018 when I was originally reading the books. Um, and mm-hmm. weirdly, it was it was Kerry who pointed this out to me. Um, she was watching Once Upon a Time, which I have only caught in passing, so I don't really know it too well. But um, the actor in that who plays Captain Hook, who is I think his name's Colin O'Donoghue. I I'm searching now. Uh, so why him? Um, I think at the time I was just reading the uh, Dresden Files graphic novel, and Kerry kind of made a point of mentioning that he looks a bit like that. Yes, yeah. but I can kind of see it. He's a maybe too much of a pretty boy for my liking, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> this guy just looks like the most um, fanficable yeah. guy. <laughs> I'm sure yeah, nice sure. Well, yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that's uh, all of mine. What about you? I've given you t- plenty of time to think. So <laughs> uh, there was some feverish googling going on. Um, <laughs> no, so <laughs> my my first thought. Um, and I, I I can see I can see this going one of two ways. One, it, it would really typecast the guy. Um, but on the other end of the spectrum, um, I actually think he he could pull it off quite well. Slightly older, slightly more more rugged, Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, that's a good choice. I I'd, I'd quite like him with how he is now. Like just I don't know, like throw him in a bin. 
or something for like 20 minutes and then give him the roll. Yeah, just drag him through a couple of hedges. Yeah, like tell him not to shower for a week. <laughs> he's got the part. And he has experience because he's already been a wizard. Exactly. Um, but that's also wh- where I can see why he wouldn't want to do it. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, what what else is Daniel Radcliffe doing at the moment? I mean, he's done a couple of good indie films, but he's, I think he would... I think the last time I saw him in anything, I don't know if this series is still on, but Steve Buscemi was in it playing God. I have no oh, idea what it's yeah. called. Yeah. He I was know what you mean. an angel office worker kind of guy. I'll yeah. try and find it, because it's going to bug me not knowing what it's called. I haven't seen it, but I want to. Yeah, I mean, I've oh, only right. seen like a couple of episodes, but it was pretty good. And it's only weird, because yeah. I thought Steve Buscemi died like three years ago, but he didn't. So I don't know who I'm thinking of. He, he always looks ill. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm wondering if that's why. Miracle Workers. Yeah, Miracle Workers. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think he, I think he would be a really good fit for the role. Um. I. There's, there's the problem is a lot of the, a lot of the actors that I can think of are are too old now because I was aware of them like ten years ago. Yeah, that's kind of the issue I had. Um, and whether it's a TV series or a film series. It would need to be someone who could play the role for like the next twenty years. Yeah. Which is where we got to like Timothy Oliphant and people like that. Um, I mean, this is also why I was asking people on social media because, yeah, <laughs> hoping for some better answers that weren't ours. Yeah, um, and the other thing is, a lot of the actors that I'm thinking of are British. Um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but um, I've just had a thought. Um, did you ever see Fanforstick? Yes. Reed Richards. Oh, Miles Teller is that the actor's name? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I actually quite liked him in that. <laughs> Yeah, like, just everything else I hated. Uh, I know exactly what you mean, but I mean, yeah. He, weirdly, he's one that came to my head, but I thought, you know, mentioning him and Van Forstick in the same sentence might cause most of our listeners to turn off. Uh, apologies if you if you did get that that reaction, listeners. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hope you're still listening. <laughs> Oh god, I just saw um you know the original Reed Richards actor? Um yeah, The Welsh fellow. Yeah, the Welsh fellow. Just saw a full body image of him in the in the suit and the bulge is real. Oh my. Well, uh, you know what they say about Welshmen. <laughs> is that what they say? I have no idea I made that up. <laughs> I'm just sending you the image. Uh, just because I want to see your reaction. <laughs> oh. Because, um, wow. <laughs> that is, uh, nah, that's got to be like padding, surely. Surely there's got to be some padding involved. 
don't remember the uh, costumes being that tight looking either. But then <laughs> it's a film I've not seen since like 2006 or seven. So yeah, I I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that's wow. Um, what about uh, oh uh, Poe Dameron from Star uh, from oh, Star Wars Oscar Isaac. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, he's one of those people I would just watch in anything. So he's it, he's making the rounds at the moment. Yeah, he's everywhere. Where isn't he? <laughs> um, he would be interesting uh, in just about anything, to be honest. But yeah, um, yeah, there's lots like there's lots of people that I would just I would enjoy in the role. Um, Patrick Wilson, as well. Be I just good. enjoying it. I enjoying anything, and I just think he'd be fun. Um, but yeah, I think my my serious answer, and not just because I'm Harry Potter Doctor Who obsessed like the rest of our generation. Um, <laughs> tell me I'm wrong. Uh, <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> we were both on the same creative writing course, and there were a lot of people on that creative writing course that had only read seven books. Yeah. And we both know which books they were. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, uh I would I would enjoy that. I'd also enjoy you know, uh Andrew Garfield. He's not doing much at the moment. Yeah. Get him I wouldn't in. mind that. He's another person that I enjoy in most things that he's in. Yeah. He's aged up a bit now. Um, he's not. He, he's lost the Spider-Man gig. So, oh man, Joe, who uh, did? Who? In a really, really weird way. If you say Tobey Maguire, no, like that's probably better than what I'm about to say. But Daniel Craig, too old, man. Yeah, too, too old. old. I mean, it'd be hilarious. I would I would rather have Daniel Craig as like the Merlin oh, man, or something. Yeah, I yeah, I'd yeah, that, that. Just looking at like older pictures of Andrew Garfield, like m- like more recent pictures of him, he he could do it, and he's got the he's got the height. If if you care about that, he has the height. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people seem to care um, about that, so. People I wouldn't want, straight up Jesse Eisenberg. I've just I just saw. He's, um, I'm sure he's a nice guy and stuff. But I I hate him and everything, and I don't know why. He is a brilliant, brilliant bad guy. Agreed. I like I he is the he was great casting for Lex Luthor. I'm gonna, I really do believe that. Controversial. Um, but agreed as well. I, until he got the bald cap out, then yeah. that that kind of, uh, but <laughs> before the bald cap, I enjoyed him. Yeah, I I I I think the idea of having Lex Luthor is like a a Google, like um, like as like a, a Silicon Valley kind of CEO makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Joe, you know who would be good as well. Like again, probably like more ten years ago. 
But um, go for it. Shit, what's his name? John Krasinski. Yeah, I saw him uh, when I was thinking about it. Um, he he would be very good. He would be. Um, I'd enjoy that. I'm just seeing if the, uh, one more. Um, do you think we could have a black Harry Dresden? Yeah, I was gonna pick one, but I didn't. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've seen Adam Driver being suggested for Dresden. Yeah, I mean, Not that, sure. I mean, there there was a thing on um. I'm, I mean, I'm part of the uh, Dresden Files uh, Facebook groups, and there was a whole mm. thing, probably a couple of months ago now, where everyone was like, you know, Adam Driver would be the perfect Harry Dresden. And strangely, I think someone mentioned Adam Driver in in some of the. Uh, Twitter responses, but I can't mm. find it. So, I, a bit too emo for me. I don't know, like a bit too I, like sullen. I kind of get it, but I know, like, I in his defense, he's one of those people where everything I've seen him in, he's been really good in. That this is true. Um, I I finally got round to watching that film with him and Scarlett Johansson. Oh, um, what the fuck's it called? I know the one you mean, but Marriage Story? Yeah. Yeah, that's the one, Marriage Story. Uh, and it is... He is damn good. He really is. Um, so, yeah, I'd be very up for that. Um, but I, I do think he's quite sullen. I, I can't get past the idea of Daniel Radcliffe. I think he'd be really good. Yeah, now that you've said it, I'm um, kind of into that quite a bit. <laughs> so uh, we had some responses from um, from our social media, from Twitter and Facebook. Obviously, we love to hear from you guys, and if you're not on our Twitter and Facebook, hundred percent, get on there and get talking to us. Um, Rob, do you want to do you want to go through them? Yeah, um, one of them was uh, Hugh Jackman, which I guess is uh, partly for the hype. Wait, yeah, I mean, um... yeah. I, I can kind of dig that. I mean, obviously, I'd probably say a bit too old now. But, um, yeah, like maybe like 15, 20 years ago when the when the X-Men films launched, he was probably an ideal choice, if not still too good looking. <laughs> like, I think the only film that's ever made him unattractive is uh, Chappie, where he has a mullet and wears cargo shorts. They tried very hard to bury his good looks in Chappie. Yeah, yeah. what a weird fucking film. <laughs> um, if, you, ones... if you haven't watched Chappie, if you haven't watched Chappie, treat yourself. Please <laughs> treat yourself to Chappie. Um, uh, it it opens you up to the whole world of Diane Wood and just, oh, incredible. <laughs> Um, some of the other mentions we've had are James McAvoy, which, again, I'm really down with that. Like, especially if it was more ten years ago, he's he's one of those people where like everything he's in, I enjoy him in, but I always forget he exists. Yeah, and he has terrific hair. <laughs> I do get the feeling though he's a bit of a dick splash uh, to work with. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, but. He just seems a bit smarmy. 
Um, which to our American listeners, smarmy is just a bit of a dick splash, I guess. <laughs> dick splash. <laughs> Didn't realise it was the 1980s. Um, <laughs> um, another one was, I don't know if I'm pronouncing the surname right, Max Eirich? I'll send you the name, but... Yeah. But, I mean, based on the picture of him, he looks like he'd be a pretty good option. Weirdly, he's my age, which is a bit weird, because he looks a lot older. If you search Max Irich, spelt M-A-X-I-R-I-C-H, you just get some drug company. Um, With really weird black pills. Yeah. What you do in your own time is uh, up to you. <laughs> yeah, got him. Uh, okay, yeah. And he's got he's got the right age. Yeah, agreed. definitely. Uh, there's two more which I really like, but unfortunately, I think age is the main factor of here. But um, and this one I I remember suggesting to you back back in the day, but uh, Lee Pace. Yeah, Lee Pace is a good, a good shout. Yeah, like, again, he's a terrific actor in everything I've seen him in that I can think of. Um, oh man, do you, do you remember the show Pushing Daisies? Yes. Yeah, he was great in that. Like, oh man, I I bought season one and two of that back in 2017, and I still need to watch them because I ju- I just remember catching the odd episode here and there, but. Mm. Um, Who's your other one? Oh yeah, and the last one, and it, it's weird that this one didn't pop into my head at all. But um, James Masters, who, as we all know, narrates the audiobooks. Yeah, I mean, I I think he would have to be part of any sort of series. I think, um, I think at this point, though, given his age, I I wouldn't mind seeing someone like Marcone. Yeah, that that's that's where I was gonna go, like Marcone or yeah, uh, maybe someone from the council or, or whoever. But give him lots of even uh, Nicodemus, um, he could do a good Nicodemus. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, uh, well, if I mean, if if age was no uh, no barrier. Man, I fucking love Ewan McGregor. <laughs> yeah, same. I had a weird Ewan McGregor phase back in 2018 as well. Um, I mean, hasn't everyone? I mean, I was kind of <laughs> Ewan McGregor phase growing up, which I don't know if that's a worry or not, but yeah, I liked Obi-Wan and I liked motorbikes, which is, you know, what he rode around on. So not Obi-Wan, Ewan McGregor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um... I would I would always enjoy more Ewan McGregor. Um, I actually think you could do him as um, uh, Ebenezer now. I mean, I'd watch it. I mean, he's old enough and he's Scottish. That that ticks the boxes for me. Yeah, uh, and I always forget that he can act. Is that a weird thing to say? No, not at all. I, I watched um, Doctor Sleep with Min, and. I don't know why I expected him just to be Ewan McGregor, but he completely sold me on being Dan Torrance. 
man, I I freaking loved him in uh, the last Harley Quinn film, uh, Birds of Prey. Oh, um, yeah, I forgot what he was as in uh, black as it, yeah. Black Mask. Ah, uh, he. I mean, oh, that film has problems, I think, but he just chews that scenery and is having a ball throughout. Um, I mean. The the thing that really annoyed me about it is that he he is obviously playing a gay character, and they did not want to like say that at any point. Um, and there was there was a bit of controversy around it, but he's yeah, um, he's good in that in that film. I was just looking at Hayden Christensen if if I thought he as he looks now could do it, but nah, he's he's off on his own path. Uh, <laughs> I, I I like the idea though of him coming back as Darth Vader for the Obi-Wan series yeah same um, I like the idea of I think Liam Neeson's now been confirmed as well as coming back as Qui-Gon in some way oh man that's going to be cool agreed um, he's been in quite a bit Hayden uh, Christensen he took, he took a break after Star Wars, understandably. Understandably. <laughs> but he ha- he has been in quite a bit. Um, cool. So, uh, was that all the social media responses as well? Yeah, I feel like there were more. So I don't know if I've just missed a load, but I'm pretty sure that's all of them. I mean, if if any more, oh no, there was no one. Sorry, I completely missed. Um, I do apologise, and that's Liam Hemsworth, who we might know as the younger brother to uh, Chris Hemsworth. Mm. who is probably around the right age, come to think of it. Yeah, I just keep thinking of people that are, like, your age. Thanks. Oh, just get me to do it, you know? I, in all seriousness, you look Dresden-ish, especially in that, that most recent picture that you sent around. Um, You know the one where you were saying, like, how, how the pandemic started, how it is now? Yeah. I I would enjoy a Dresden that look like that. Yeah, fair enough. I'll uh, maybe post that on the Paranet social media. Maybe. <laughs> Rob is Harry Dresden. Yeah. I like I mean, it. Maybe I should just drop out of uni and take up acting. Um, yeah, just just <laughs> <laughs> just drive up to freaking. Uh, Whoever owns the Dresden rights at the moment, I I assume like Fox because it was on Sky. Uh, just drive up to Fox and be like, "I'm Dresden, make it happen." Just hang out there until someone gives me the job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well. my understanding is that's how Chris Pratt got like his first couple of roles. I can. He was like it. homeless when Parks and Rec started. Um, yeah, it's a weird story. But yeah, he went from like a beach a beach bum to like fucking Star Lord. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. Um, okay, wow, there is. So yeah, uh, do you want to give a shout out to some of the people that commented? Yes, knowingly I've closed the Facebook page, so I'll. Start it's all right. Name. I have the. Fa- Oh, nice, you can do that. I have the Facebook. (laughs) 
cool. Uh, so yeah, uh, someone, thank you for the suggestions. Um, scroll down a bit more. Um, yeah, and thank you to those that have mentioned. Yeah, who who would their choice be for Harry? And that's uh, Jim Hennigan. And I also apologise if I pronounce any of your names wrong. Uh, Taylor Miller and Gene Tomlin and Andrew Barnes. Oh, and Anastasia Lady Geek. I like I like the name Anastasia Lady Geek. Same. <laughs> Uh, and then over on uh, Facebook, or was that including the Facebook ones? Oh no, that wasn't including the Facebook ones because I haven't loaded it yet. Uh, we had uh, Michael Tobacco, who is, I, I I think like we should give him like a special like, um, oh uh, like he's like a warden level of our fan base, Michael Tobacco. Um, Absolutely love love what he's throwing in all the time and uh, Agreed. yeah, uh, uh, he's top tier Dresden fan, uh, Paranet fan, uh, and Ken Jenkins, um, they they had a lot to say. Uh, <laughs> um, again, Jack Black could play everyone <laughs> in the Dresden Files. Um, yeah, we had we had a good bit of banter there, which I I enjoyed, um, and yeah, that that was pretty much it from Facebook. Was just uh, Michael and Ken. Um, that was a really good conversation that we had with them. Uh, but yeah, it, it's great. Like we're getting these discussions going now, and and we really want to keep this going. So, um, I think we'll we'll probably put something out. We probably put something out on like a normally a Wednesday when we go when we go up with the new episode. We put out what our discussion points going to be for the next week yeah i reckon that's a good um, one yeah and then we we record on a sunday and then uh we get it out to you guys on a wednesday and that's that's kind of how it all rolls together it's better um, than what we so, normally do which is we just come up with a topic the day before yeah that that was <laughs> <laughs> more and more becoming how we were running it um but now we're we're getting more like official and shit motherfuckers uh, which is why Rob doesn't swear, but I do. Apparently, Have I sworn yet? you haven't sworn yet. I will try and keep it that way. Good fucking luck. Um... <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah. Um, so moving on to uh the bit that you have all been waiting for, the Dresden Files book club. Um, our uh, attempt to charge through all of Jim Butcher's fabulous Dresden Files universe in all the wonderful forms it takes. Novelizations, comic books, graphic novels, short stories, board games, card games, and everything in between. We are currently on the fourth book in the series. Summer Night! Um... I knew that was coming. Uh, <laughs> this is our seventh episode on Summer Night, uh, where we will be covering uh, chapters 25, 26, 27, and 28. But before we get to that, we always do a recap of our previous four chapters. 
which is chapters 21, 22, 23, and 24. Uh, and I will be doing that right now. Uh, so, last time on Dresden Files, uh, Harry and Murphy took the fight to the Fae and uh, took down Grum the Ogre with the use of an iron chainsaw. Metal as fuck. Uh, Dresden and Murphy then tried to escape but were slowed down by an attack from uh, a sniper hidden, uh, taking them on through the Fae fog that was befuddling the minds of the citizens in the uh, department store. It was like a Walmart that they were in. Murphy gave Dresden her colt, and Dresden went to get the beetle, which had sprung another leak. Dresden drove to pick up Murphy, but was attacked by the Chlorophyne. The Chlorophyne being this great mass of writhing vines and plant matter. Dresden rammed the beetle into the Chlorophyne and made his escape, picking up Murphy when they were once again stopped by the Chlorophyne. Murphy used her chainsaw to go to town on that thing and broke it. Murphy and Dresden then decide to make their escape as they heard the sirens of incoming police. That took us into chapter 22. Chapter 22, Harry and Murphy arrived at Billy and George's where the Alphas helped uh, Murphy with her injuries. Uh, Murphy got shot in the leg by one of the snipers. Um... Uh, that was shooting through the fog. Uh, while catching some air on the balcony, Dresden met with Merrill, one of the changelings that has hired him to find their friend. Uh, Lily, I believe. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, Lily. Uh, they talk a little bit about Harry and his reputation in uh, both the mortal and magical communities, um, as well as what's it, what it's like for Merrill to be a changeling. Uh, Harry starts to put facts together and wonders why the Tigress, a ghoul assassin, attacked him at the start of the book before the case even started. He also realises that the Chlorophyne wasn't using full power against Murphy, hence why she was able to break it with the chainsaw. This must be because it was controlled by one of the fairy ladies or queens, as they can't attack anyone who isn't part of the courts. Harry is obviously uh, a fae... Uh, emissary, so he could be attacked fully by the Chlorophyne. Um, we then learn that the weather is changing as a cold front is coming down from the Arctic down across Canada, and a hot front, a heat wave, is making its way up from New Mexico, and both will collide over Chicago in 24 hours. Dun, dun, dun. Taking us to chapter 23. Harry heads off to Lake Michigan as the werewolves uh, look after Murphy and try to decide how they're going to get her to a hospital uh, to uh, have her injuries looked at. Uh, at Lake Michigan, Harry summons his, fa his fairy godmother, the Lenonshi Leah. Um, they talk about how last time they met Leah, let's not beat around the bush, pretty much tried to kill Harry, wiped his... Um, his girlfriend's memory of him uh, and took his best friend's uh, mantle of power, the sword of the cross away from him. Uh, and she's like, I did do all that, but really I was doing it for your best interests, godson. 
Um, to which Harry is like, eh, fair enough. Um, much cooler about it than I think I would have been. Uh, Harry asks to be taken for an audience with the fairy queens. Leah says uh, that she will take him and that she doesn't require any sort of trade or bargain for it, which is very out of uh, character for a fairy. Harry and Leah go to the Stone Table, a recreation of Chicago created in a demiplane made from clouds that hold the Stone Table in the centre. We learn there that anyone sacrificed on the Stone Table uh, will give their power to one of the courts, depending on which half of the year it is. At midsummer and midwinter, the uh, power of the Stone Table is passed between the courts in midsummer. The power passes to mid uh, to winter, and in midwinter the power passes to summer. Midsummer is coming in three days. Harry looks at the queens and is told to do so by Leah. He opens his wizard sight and sees them as they truly are. And I always imagine this as like when Galadriel goes batshit insane in uh, <laughs> Fellowship. Uh, they are so powerful and so ready for war that Harry gazes upon them and immediately passes out. <laughs> uh, he awakes on the shore of Lake Michigan in Leah's lap once again, and she explains that it really was in your best interest, Godson, for you to see them in their true form so that you will never again forget the power of the fairy queens. That takes us to chapter 24. Uh, Harry has to get the wreckage of his old beetle toad. He then tries to call the White Council for reinforcements because shit is about to get real. And unfortunately, instead of getting to Ebenezer, he gets to Morgan, who tells Harry, you will receive no help this time, you traitorous bastard. And that someone important to me died in that attack on Archangel, and I haven't forgiven you for that. So I hope you follow my good friend into the afterlife, Dresden. Harry showers and gets his stuff together before heading to the airport, uh, using a tracking spell, and finds Elaine, who is killing time before a flight. Her whole plan is just to get out of Dodge. Chicago is a lost cause, man. It's all going down, and there is nothing that any wizard can do except die in the cataclysm that's about to happen. Harry's like, don't do that. Instead, let's fix it. Um, and miraculously, Elaine goes for it, um, saying that the only way to do this is to go to the mothers of winter and summer. Uh, along with that, she summons... Uh, a great celestial horse and cart that can only be seen to Elaine and Harry that will take them to the lands of fairy where they will be able to commune with the mothers winter and summer. And that is where we ended the last uh, episode, chapters, session, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> And where we begin today, um, Rob always always laughs at me because me and Rob play Dungeon Dragons together, um, and uh, apparently I use my Dresden Files voice, my Paranet Podcast voice, uh, at the start of our sessions when I'm recapping them, 
and it's very similar to when I recap the last time on Paranet. Uh, would you agree, Rob? Oh, de- definitely. I mean, it's not a bad thing, not in the slightest. But yeah. um, anyway, chapter twenty-five. We yeah. arrive in Never Never, and the pair leave the carriage. And on on arriving, you know, we spot a nice, charming raven, which makes us think of Edgar Allan Poe. Um, and and as a bit of banter, you know, Elaine says to Harry, "If you dare say Nevermore, I will punch you." And Harry, being Harry, just kind of leans over to her and is like, "Nevermore." And she, I, I felt her roll her eyes. So, <laughs> yeah. um, as they go through this enchanted woods, a shadow kind of starts moving towards them, and and we're unfamiliar at this point, so it could be anything. It could be, it could be Grum, you know, our lovable ogre friend, but it's not Grum. Um, <laughs> out of the dark comes a unicorn. And this creature, I mean, I completely forgot about this because when it said unicorn, I imme- my mind immediately went to like, you know, your stereotypical unicorn, like white, shining, shitting skittles, that kind of thing. Um... <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but this this is the complete opposite the creature is it's described as being kind of like dark and it, it's it's stained with blood it's got curling horns and all this kind of stuff and mm-hmm. it, it just kind of pops out of nowhere stabs like a moth with its horn and fucks off again and <laughs> sorry that didn't last long the swearing i'm sorry um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, and then like they're like, yeah, this this thing's clearly got like, yeah, you know, it's, it's clearly a bit antagonistic here, so we should probably find a way around it. And they kind they they notice that this creature has no eyes, so it can probably sense your thoughts. As you know, that apparently that's how the whole legend with unicorns go. They can read your thoughts, and you know, if, if you have if you're pure of thinking, then they're pretty chill. So um. Yeah, for some reason they decide that Elaine is the best person to lead this thing away. I mean, they're both probably bad at this. So the unicorn like kind of appears again, and it, it's kind of approaching her, but with caution. But then when she turns her back on it, it then prepares to lunge at her back. So Harry, being Harry, is like, I no, like I'm not. If I run, scream, and all that kind of thing, I'm not going to reach her in time. She's going to turn around too late, and we'll get impaled. So he just whips out his blasting rod. And just shouts, Fuego! And fires this massive bolt of fire, like, just at the ground below the unicorn. And we're basing that, as you remember, when he threw, like, the same spell and any other kinds of magic at at, uh, Grum, it did fuck all, let's be honest. Mm. So, he aims it at the ground in hopes that that will kind of put the unicorn off. And uh, it does something, you know? Like... The unicorn does react, but it reacts by then charging towards Harry, and Harry hides behind a tree, which, I mean, it isn't the best of options because the unicorn still fucking impales the tree, so he's kind of forced to fight. And then this this goes on for a while. There's a bit of like he he like throws like stones and it hits it with a stick, um, and then. Elaine like decides to you know, she she'll hold off the unicorn and distract it, and while she's doing this, she tells Harry you know you go on ahead get to the mothers and you know do your thing, 
And Harry's like, oh, but what about you? And she's like, don't worry about me. Just go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know about you in that situation. If, 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 if we came across a unicorn and you were like, I'll hold it off, I'd be like, okay, bye. <laughs> I mean, I'd come back. Yeah, Robert. Right, but... I'd come back. That, that's because you're a bit of a dick splash, so you know. Yeah, this is. I mean, I come, I come back, but I'd come back with help or a really big rock, you know. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So into chapter twenty-six, we we run across the raven again, and Harry follows it to an old cottage, and it's your typical kind of fairy tale cottage. I was thinking of like Hansel and Gretel throughout all of this. Um, the yes. cottage is like stone not it's not made out of gingerbread it's like stone walls thatch roof like the heavy wooden door kind of thing and he knocks on the door which opens of its own accord and we just hear come in boy we've been expecting you and he enters the cottage because you know he's not going to be put off by that voice i am um and yeah, he goes in. There's a little. There's like a figure, kind of like wrapped up in blankets. I think it's described. Not maybe not blankets. Just kind of like wrapped up by the fireplace, just in a rocking chair. Is how I imagine it as well. And mm-hmm. on top of this fireplace are just rows and rows of teeth. And it's weird because it goes into a lot of description on the teeth being like you know, some of them are like rotting, some of them have holes in, some of them are quite nice, others not so. I won't go into it because I hate teeth. I'm not a dentist. It's not my fetish. Um, and then, like... Wait, 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 wait. Are we saying that all dentists have a teeth fetish? I mean, obviously. Why would anyone of course. work with teeth, you know? Fucking disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be something wrong with you if you're a dentist. I mean, I apologise <laughs> if any of our listeners are dentists. You're very noble at your profession, and I admire you. Um, but you are a tooth fucker. <laughs> yeah, you're a tooth fucker. <laughs> um, yeah, and anyway, so another another woman like kind of turns to Harry, and she's I can't remember if she kind of steps out out of the dark, like kind of behind him or to his side. But I know that she does like kind of most of the talking here, and uh, she's got green gleaming eyes, and he, she she's just like, oh, do you mind sticking out your tongue? And he questions it, but she's like, no, 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 just stick your tongue out. And it's that very kind of grandmotherly feel, I guess. And she, she like, inspects his tongue, and it's just like, oh, yeah, you have strength and charisma. And it turns out this is Mother Summer, and she introduces the woman who sat down as Mother Winter. And I can't remember if they offer him tea or not, or if I just made that up just then, but whatever they do they they are they make they kind of do the whole fairy bargain with harry of that um they'll ask him a question and in return for his answer they'll give him the answer he seeks because he mm-hmm. keeps he keeps asking questions like who killed the summer night and they're like you're asking you're not asking the right question so we'll we'll let you ask another one kind of thing but the question they ask is what is more important the body or the soul and I didn't write down his responses at all, but I think it was very situational or dependent on, you know, neither is, no way, they're both as important as each other or something like that. 
can't remember. Um, yeah, I, it was it was along those lines. I'll get the exact quote uh, yeah, for our I was, discussion. I was, I was meant to like put it in there as discussion point as well, but I also forgot to do that. I think. Um, but in any case, like he, he he drives the topic back to the summer night, and he at this point he firmly believes that you know the winter lady Maeve is behind everything, and he then asks just straight up who killed the summer night. And they count, like I say, they, they they keep saying that he's asking the wrong question. So they counter this with the important question is why and how. Um, the summer mantle needs a vessel, but it's not with another knight. It hasn't been given to anyone else. Otherwise, we'd know where that power was, and there would be balance, obviously. Um, so Harry's new question here is: the mantle goes from one vessel to the next. Um, so where has it gone? Because there can only be two options being, you know, the, the Summer Lady or the Summer Queen herself. Um, mm. And I think based on all this information, he, he kind of works out it, that it's the Summer Lady Aurora. And I, I like that the the two mums like, they don't deny this, but they kind of lean more towards confirming it. And Harry's just like, so why don't you just go and stop them? And the mothers, we find out here that the mothers can't intervene. And it's basically what they're doing now is the closest they can to intervention yeah. without being directly involved. Um, and the, the Winter Mother gives Harry a cloth which will unravel any enchantment. Which, you know, Harry questions will this include, like, will it cure Susan of? the red court strain of vampirism or whatever and they're just like yeah sure of course it will and so it, it's kind of i know I, I quite like it because it's kind of he can just do his own selfish thing i guess but chooses yeah. not to, or does he we don't know yet um yeah like, like i say the mothers have reached that limit on how they can interact and they kind of you know shove him off being like you, you need to go now and solve this issue, so make haste. And Harry's like, oh yeah, oh by the way, I, I, I really do apologise, we might have harmed your unicorn on the way in. And their response here is, what unicorn? Which I think is a... Like, it's unsettling. Like, yeah. Um. Anyway, he, he fucks off, and as he's travelling back, none other than a Grum appears. And Elaine is very close behind Grum, and they knock Harry out. Do you think um, Grum could look like um, a roided-out Jeff Bezos? <laughs> I do now. Bloody <laughs> <laughs> hell! Um, just like five oh, buy more on Prime. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jeff. Um, <laughs> Jeff, um, fucking Jeff. Jeff. Um, Harry wakes up and you know the the, un the unraveling is gone. The unraveling is the cloth, by the way. Um, and everything else is gone, like his staff, his blasting rod, his car keys, his you, you name it, it's gone, apart from his clothes. Um, and he realizes that he's in the presence of Aurora, the Summer Lady. Who you know we we just kind of worked out here that she's behind everything, and she's ready for battle. She's 
dressed in like summer armor, a nice little cape, and she's got like a sword and all that kind of shit. And with her, like standing like kind of to the side in like a bit of an entourage kind of vibe here is Elaine, Grum, the yep. Unicorn, and none other than our favourite character, Lloyd Slate. And I mean just based on working out with that um Aurora's behind everything, Harry like then guesses that Grum is really the um she Marshall Tallow. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. And the unicorn yeah. um is Corrick, the centaur. And <laughs> Aurora's just like, How the fuck do you know this? How did you work it out? And Harry's like, I'm not I'm not telling you. You like let me go and I'll tell you kind of thing. I mean, he isn't bargain at all here. He's just uncooperative as anything. And yep. Aurora looks at Elaine and is like, can he be reasoned with? And Elaine's like, you've already threatened to kill him, so I very much doubt it. Um, but yeah, like, it, I really like this bit because what I thought was going to happen, I don't know if it's ever described as a soul gaze. If I, I might have missed that bit, but she like looks into Harry's eyes and forces him to not look away. Mm. And I thought I thought that's what it was going to, like a weird kind of forced soul gaze, but it seems to be a bit more of an enchantment kind of thing, I guess. But um it kind of fills us in in like everything that's been going on in that the summer lady had Lloyd Slate kill Ronald Rowell the summer night. Um because Lloyd Slate hates Maeve understandably so and because of that and being how he's being treated i guess by the winter court decided that he'd willingly help aurora um the mantle of the summer night returned to aurora who then put it in lily and then as we know she was turned into a statue so aurora's big master plan is using the unraveling to change lily back into a i want to say human state but humans not quite her normal state and then kill her on the stone table. <clears throat> yeah. Aurora declares that she's then, you know, she's sick of the endless battle between summer and winter. She intends to end this by plunging the world into total chaos. Um, the White Council doesn't know what's happening here. Like, Harry is the only link. So Harry is just a uh, loose end. I was about to say dead end, but that's not what it was. Um, mm. and Lloyd Slate wants Harry dead because he's a fucking maniac. Um, and Harry kind of goads Slate and like rips into him at this point, and it's just like you know you're being played. Like, I mean, yeah, you're you're like powerful because you have the winter uh, mantle, but come on now, like as soon as they're done here, they're just gonna throw you in the trash. Um, and as Lloyd Slate kind of starts thinking this over, like Aurora does the whole. If you may remember previously when he appeared, he got like really worked up and moody, and they just stuck him with a load of heroin. Whereas here. Mm-hmm. It's not heroin, she just kind of does some weird calming, whispery thing, which I mean, yeah, fine. I don't advocate drugs, so that's that's totally cool with me. Um And at this point Harry's like he calls over to Elaine and is like, What are you doing? Why are you betraying me? Why are you doing this? And Elaine says that she owes Aurora, um and as a result of this she has to help her. She didn't know Harry yeah. would be involved. That's just kind of it is how it is what it is, I guess. Um, and yeah, like Harry knowing full well that Slate is going to kill him, prepares to summon the power of his death curse, 
And while he's doing this, Slate, you know, walks towards him and draws his sword. And then we go into chapter eight. As Lloyd Slate is about to like fucking ram his sword into Harry, Elaine again intervenes, stopping Slate, realizing that, and she points out that you know. He's preparing a death curse, and instead of aiming at Lloyd Slate, he's aiming at Aurora instead. So, yeah, and Harry, I think Harry's reaction to this is, you fucking bitch. And I love the narration on that, because damn right. And um, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, Slate puts the uh, sword away, and it's like, oh, whatever. And Elaine is prepared to then handle Harry's death. She binds Harry and Aurora like throws him in quick quicksand and that kind of thing. So it's a it's a slow, horrible death. And Elaine tells Harry it's just like old times. And she doesn't give a wink, but she probably should have. Because Harry remembers that when they were growing up they used to copy each other's bindings. So really Elaine has like done the dirty here on uh, Aurora and has kind of given Harry like a like an easy rope to get out of, I guess. And gives him a chance to escape. Um, mm. In any case, Aurora and all that lot, they, they go to wherever they're going to do their evil bidding. Um, Harry escapes the binding, but he's he's still in the quicksand. So he, he pushes his palms as, as far down as he can get them and shouts, Fozare! And that's the whole wind spell thing. It pushes him out the sa- like the sand, which is great. The downside is he's now 20 foot above ground and stuck in a tree. And, you know, typical Harry Dresden situation. Uh, at this point, well, I say at this point, after a while, the gatekeeper appears. And you, you may remember him from the White Council. And he pops up and he's like, am I interrupting anything? And, yeah, Harry, he, he ends up helping Harry get out of this tree. And Harry is then quite inquisitive as to, you know, why are you here? Because... Have you been spying on me? Have you been... And the gatekeeper reveals that he hasn't been spying as such, but he's been listening to everything that's been going on. And as a result of this, now knows that Harry has completed his mission for the White Council. Um, he can step down from the task because the job is done. Um, and yeah, the trial has been discharged. Map has allowed the White Council to travel through the Never Never and their yeah their lands as well. Um, Harry thinks of Meryl, Lily, and the Unraveling, and you know he he tells the gatekeeper, you know, I have to finish this. I have to see you through to the end. And the gatekeeper is like, Oh, good. I won't vote against you then. And uh, just so you know, if if you had given up the task at this point, I would have killed you myself. Which is nice. <laughs> um, and again, the gatekeeper leaves, but not before leaving Harry with a parting gift, an ointment that can see through fairy glamours and a piece of the stone table to help Harry locate it. And the ointment is to kind of... It's a lot easier on the eyes, I think it's described. It's it's like the wizard... It does the job of the wizard's sight, but doesn't have any of the negative effects. And Harry questions this because, obviously, he's not allowed to like interfere with Harry's trials, as it were. And the gatekeeper's like, what the council doesn't know doesn't hurt them. And that is where we end this chapter. Nice. 
Yeah. Does uh, that take? Yeah, that's that's our chapters for this week. So, blimey, there is a lot there to unpack. Um, how'd you find it, Rob? I really enjoyed it. Like the, the whole the whole like chapter with uh, the two mothers, especially like. For what's just the conversation is probably one of the most exciting parts of the book for me. Like, I, I'm a hundred percent with you. Um, the thing that always gets me excited about that section is there's so many like weird magical things going on in their cottage that could just be weird magical things that have no consequence, mm. but could also be like huge implications for um the rest of the Dresden verse. Absolutely agree. It's it's just yeah. because I think at this point we've met all like all of the uh the queens, the ladies and all that, and all of them are a bit uptight and all of them are a bit annoying. But like and you know, un- completely uncooperative with each other. Whereas the two mothers are just kind of they're done with it. You know, they're they're, they're so far beyond that. Mm. It's just really cool to see because I I think at this point you don't really know what you're going into and I I just assumed it would be like you know Maeve is a bitch Mab is a massive bitch so the mothers have got to be like a whole new level of bitch you know <laughs> <laughs> that swearing thing's just just gone isn't it yeah just I'll, I'll try and not swear in February or something. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Actually, no, it's going to be worse in February. I can already tell. Like, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's um, that. Yeah, that that whole scene. Uh, the so the bit where they're asking him about body, which is more important, body or soul. Essentially, what Harry says is that if someone was trying to, if I if I was like old and all I had left was my soul then soul would be most important but if someone was trying to burn my body to protect my soul I think I'd find my body pretty important at that point um Mm. which is is pretty cool um there's there's so many little bits like they they mention dragons they those teeth that are on the mantelpiece uh don't get too excited dentists uh (laughs) those teeth are um like who do they belong to what could they be um there's a whole thing about like there's various like glass bottles and stuff that have plagues in them um <clears throat> let's just hope uh well i guess maybe dresden knocked one uh in 2020 and it still hasn't gone back in yeah. um <laughs> there's a whole thing about uh, Mother Winter not getting up, but also doesn't seem to have a a cane to help her get up. And there's lots of theories around, is that the Black Staff? Uh, some people think that it definitely is. Some aren't so sure. It's very interesting. Um, there's lots of Harry talking about, like, there being very subtle but powerful energy around everything in the house, mm. uh, which is really cool. Um, and you just get this feeling that, like, 
this is such like another level up in the Dresden verse. Um, it's really interesting, and we come back to this place a couple of times in the series, and each time it, it just becomes so. It, it's it is such a great point in in each book, and there's no fighting or like big explosive action set pieces. It's just cool. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I, 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 it's, I, I guess it's just like, you know, you know that you're so invested in the world at this point because you're just like, Oh shit. This is so like, this is such a big moment for Dresden, um, to be here. Um, yeah, and I, I, one of the biggest mysteries, as we learn later in the series, that like Mother Winter and uh, the Winter Lady and um, the like, all, all the different levels of uh, each each side of Fairy, they were all people once of some level, um, or beings at least of some sort, before taking on the mantles. Um, and one of the biggest questions in the Dresden Files is who is Mother Winter and Mother Summer? Um, mm. And um, I I think that that's going to be something that we get revealed before the end of the series. Um, and I'm really interested to see what they do with it and where they go with it. Yeah. Um, do you have any thoughts on who they could be? Not really. It's, it's weirdly... I've not seen much speculation behind it in terms of the rest of the fan base having any idea. Mm. There's a lot of speculation around Mab. Yeah, she I've, is. I've seen loads about Mab, but I've I've not seen any about any anyone else in the courts. Hmm. I uh, I I think that they're gonna end up being maybe like some of the first magic users. Is Ooh. my theory. I quite like that. Yeah, um, that or they'll be they'll be like old gods, but I don't know. Like I I feel like even Odin is, I mean Odin, we know is part of, is related to like the Winter Courts and stuff, but the like I always got the feeling that Odin was like Mab level, not yeah. higher. Um, so like what's higher than than like a an old father? Um I don't know. It's it's very interesting, uh, who they could be. Um and they're very enigmatic, which I, I love about them. <laughs> um again, like you were saying about you were imagining like Hansel and Gretel's cottage. Um I I very much uh, imagine just like a nice like thatched cottage like just very picturesque um yeah where where they where they live um and it's always like beautifully lit and just looks so idyllic um but like there's i don't know like a sense of like there's something under the floorboards or whatever at the same time um but yeah uh so the the other chapters um so I another thing that we we haven't really picked out. Um, sorry, there's so many things I want to talk about. My my mind's just like, ah! um, but uh, the unicorn. Oh my god! Like 
one of the joys of Dresden Files is the reimaginings of like classic fantasy tropes into this like shadier, darker world. And is there a a cooler example than the Dresden Files unicorn? What do you think? A bit of a uh, grim fairy tales kind of vibe from some of the stuff in here. Yeah. I. It's just like, how do you make a unicorn like cool and dark and gritty? It's the least dark and gritty thing ever. <laughs> um, and the idea of this like hulking Destria like of metal and unseeing um power through this like one horn um it makes me think of like a rhino more than a horse yeah i kind of got that i'm trying to think of what i was thinking of i oh what is it I'm sure there's a film where like No wait, I think I'm thinking of the um the Nazgul in Lord of the Rings. Like you know they're horses, they're all kind of like Oh yeah. There's that bit in Fellowship where they're hiding under like the little like tree thing and like the Nazgul gets off its horse and you, you see like they're looking for all the holes and crevices of this thing and they can see like the horse and it's like kind of got all this black gooey shit on it. Mm. Yeah, like that's kind of what I had in mind. Like this otherworldly mount. Yeah. I can definitely get behind that. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at like the Nazgul horse. And it just... There's just something about the way that like Peter Jackson films it as well. That just brings out the like... The the power of a, of a horse. Mm. Uh and like the the menace of such like a big beast and the muscle, uh, and and I get all of that from Jim Butcher's unicorn description, definitely. Um, so, uh, that pretty much covers like the fairy section. Um, what did you think of the betrayal? Oh. I mean, when when Jeff Bezos attacked. Yeah, I mean, like I can. Conf- to be fair, I, c- I completely forgot I, I, about Elaine's involvement in this book, sort of. In that, I remember she was in it, but I couldn't remember really doing anything. Mm. So I was like, the betrayal kind of surprised me. Like again, um, yeah, and I think that's just because like. I couldn't. Rem- I remember her fighting the unicorn, sort of, but then like I don't remember appearing again until like the finale, and then at the end, of course, where she's like, "Oh, bye," and then, <laughs> and then obviously we've acknowledged that she appears in other books and stuff like that. So I mean, obviously you, you know she's more of an ally, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I think I liked it. It definitely. Um, I just I kind of like that image of Aurora standing there and like 
she's got that lineup of her minions standing badass behind her. And it's like yeah. an ogre, a unicorn, a human, and Lloyd Slate. It makes me think of like the Sinister Six. Yeah, or something. Like, that's kind of like... Yeah. It like any one of them would have been would be an, a a challenge and all of them together it's like how the hell are you gonna deal with this? Man. There's a <laughs> line that I really liked when um oh, when Lloyd Slate's about to kill Harry and then Elaine stops him and he she's like mm. oh yeah you know he's he's gonna use his death curse and he's aiming it directly at you. Now Aurora's like oh like but surely it wasn't doing any doing anything. He's like just a mortal wizard and she's like yeah but he's one of the most dangerous wizards I know like the White Council even. Yeah, they don't trust him, so it's gonna be, it's gonna hit you, it's gonna hit you. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Even even though that could just be bullshit, I guess as well. But there's a lot of like she's she is trying to play them. Yeah. Uh, I like I feel a lot of like Dresdeniness about Elaine in that moment. Like yeah, same. She, she's very like Harry. Um, like Harry is the only person in in the series that I think would have done something very similar to what Elaine did there. Yeah. Um, Start of her transformation. Ooh. <laughs> uh, I I also think that Elaine and Harry. Uh, Jim just really gets how to write X's. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he's been hurt in the past. <laughs> <laughs> but then who hasn't? Well, exactly. And I, I think Elaine is a really well-written X from like a... Like, obviously, her and Harry were a big part of each other's lives a long time ago. Um, but they're not anymore. And I think she does that in a... I think Jim captures that really well in the, in the dialogue. There's, I think, where is it? It's um, I think when she's fighting the unicorn and Harry's running off, he like turns back and does the whole thing of like, oh, as I watched her, she was beautiful and magnificent and all this kind of stuff. And it's mm. really kind of like, oh, I, I now I remember why I fell in love with her in the first place, kind of thing. Yeah, and. You can see like their where their personalities meet very well. Um, it's yeah, it's it's just very well captured. I like that. Um, so I top marks for Jim there. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, then our final big point to cover: what that gatekeeper doing? What is that gatekeeper doing? He is, he just there, and then sometimes he, sometimes he hep, and sometimes he do not hep, and today he hep. Yep. Yep. It's weird because, like, you can kind of, you can easily bundle that into, you know, I have that thing where, like, all of the Dresden Followers books we've reread for this, I'm like, yeah, that's a bit of a coincidence. Well, yeah. I don't want to say it, but the gatekeeper showing up and it turns out he's been listening all along 
Well, ain't that a bit of a coincidence? <laughs> but it's one that I like because the gatekeeper is such a weird and mysterious character at this point. And I mean, even where we are presently in the series, I guess he's still a bit mysterious. We still don't know his his shtick, really. No, he just kind of pops up every now and then, helps out, and then fucks off again. Yeah. Um, which is very convenient from a plot device <laughs> point of view. Yeah, very coincidental. Uh, <laughs> um, but also, there's got to be some time fuckery going on there. Yeah, that's what right? I mean. I, I remember like ages ago when, when I was like much further behind. I think the second appearance with the gatekeeper, I think I remember messaging you being like, so the gatekeeper... Is there any possibility that it's like Harry Dresden from the future? And you were like, you shot me down immediately. But I know just just how he's like the only one on the council really helping out and all that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, I think I think the book after that, he like took off his hood, and it it clearly wasn't a future Harry. Yeah, he's like uh, of Eastern, Arabic descent. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's, there is something because, yeah, he just, the, the man gets around and is always in the place he needs to be and has these things that he like, like, again, yes, it is very convenient that he just happens to have a piece of the stone table, but also how the fuck does he have a piece of the stone table? Oh, I didn't consider that. Um, yeah. <laughs> If nothing else, the stone table is intact at the moment. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Damn, I, I mean, I wasn't questioning that just because of spoilery reasons of what other details we know about him. But, shit. That's a good yeah. question. I hope that's answered in this book and it's just something we've both forgotten. Me too. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm getting angry. Otherwise, Jim. Um, I'm, whew, I'm gonna be. I'm, I'm gonna get Jim on the uh, Jim on the horn. As soon as um, we're gonna have some the, words. As soon as they open up the borders, I'm getting on a plane. You know it. <laughs> I'm gonna come to Jim's like farm that he owns, uh, and has built his own house with his own bare hands. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say some things. Yeah. What are you and then like, you're gonna. He's gonna <laughs> Jim's gonna like go to do that thing where you make it like you're gonna punch someone, but you don't punch someone, and then you laugh at them for flinching. And I'm gonna fall over, and Jim's gonna laugh, and that's like what's Lando, gonna happen. Where he just yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna do that to you the next time I see you, because we're gonna forget. I'm gonna write it down now, but you're gonna forget. So the next time we actually <laughs> see each other in person, I'll be like. You've got a lot of nerves showing your face here, you son of a bitch. And you'll go, what? And then I'll like do that intimidating walk towards you and then just give you a hug. And you'll be like, fucking hell. <laughs> and I'll make sure that I wear a leather jacket so you're not sure if I'm going to hug you or come at you with a switchblade. That's pretty much how our whole relationship has been this far, man. So I'm oh, good with that. Fair enough. <laughs> I'll continue as normal. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, the, the the stone table is wild, um, and and how he has that, and also the the ointment. I mean, that's like some sort of protect, protected wizard site. Doesn't seem to be something that the rest of the White Council has. No, I'm. It feels like that would have been more helpful a bit earlier in the quest, like. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I know it's not meant to intervene and all that kind of shit, but who's going to know? Well, exactly, yeah. If he's listening um, in, then yeah. But is it a case that he knows that Harry needed not to have, like, protection up until the point when he did need to have it, if you get me? Yeah, I uh, like, get you. Like, he needed to have that experience of looking... At the um, looking at the the uh, Mab and yeah, uh, with his with his eyes open, with his wizard sight open, because that that moment was going to stay with him in, on some level. So he like he couldn't have had the ointment until that happened. I mm. guess I guess what we're saying is is Jim Butcher a very lazy writer. <laughs> Um, who does not uh, think things ahead and instead just makes a lot of easy coincidences? Or is Jim Butcher a genius that thinks things decades ahead? Um, And in all honesty, I could not answer that question with confidence. No. I mean, I want to say it's uh, him making shit up. But that's only because I'm jealous about how good his series is, and I've not written anything as good as that. <laughs> it's possible. Um, uh, he he could just be winging it and doing a great job of winging it, which, as as a DM, I can tell you the amount of times that I wing it during our our stories, and you stick the landing and just go, whew. Uh, <laughs> um, that shit happens, man. Um, <laughs> I I just got a, a notification from the BBC saying the surfing duck causing dis- uh, delight in Australia. Um, well, uh, that's something to touch upon in the next episode. A hundred percent, and. I, I really I don't think we're going to top a surfing duck causing delight in Australia. Uh, so do you want to take us out? Yeah, me as well. As um as always, thank you for all the support. Like we're still racking up all those downloads and listens and everything else. So it's going well. Um, as always, share, follow, and subscribe. Next week we'll be doing chapters twenty nine, thirty, thirty one, and thirty two of Summer Nights. Um, Summer night! Thank you. <laughs> um, there was, I'm sure there was something else I was going to say, but I can't remember what it was. So, um, crack open a can of Coke. And, uh, yeah, you've been listening to the Paranet Podcast with your hosts, Rob Davis and... Patrick Learn. Me. Yeah. I forgot to add that in. <laughs> yeah, m- me too. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, we'll see you next week. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.